You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. My name is Marcy Davis, author of Working Like Dogs, and my co-host is my service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be here with you today to talk about our favorite topic, working dogs and working animals. And today, our guest is Jeff Shetler, and Jeff is a retired police canine handler who worked for the city of Alameda and county of Amador in California and was attached to the FBI's hostage rescue team's canine assistance program. And this program was designed to locate and apprehend high-risk fugitives on the run. So we're really excited to talk to Jeff today. He's worked hundreds of trailing cases across the United States, and he's a specialist in the areas of tactical trailing applications. And he and his canine partner, Ronan, made hundreds of successful finds over their 11-year career together. And he's trained under many well-known manhunters, and he's considered a law enforcement expert witness. So we're really excited to have Jeff on the show today and look forward to hearing about the work that he's been doing and about the exciting book that he has coming out. So we'll be right back after these quick messages with Jeff Shetler. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Jeff Shetler, to our show. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. Well, we're well, thank you. We're so excited that you could be with us today to, to tell us about all the exciting things that you have going on. But first of all, I have to ask you, tell us how you got started working with police canines. Well, it's, it was probably a, a lifelong uh, interest of mine. I had actually wanted to start working with dogs when I was a, a young teenager. Uh, as a matter of fact, the first chapter of the book is about my, my life um, living in Berkeley and my first dog. Um, which gave me some experiences on on how dogs could be employed for different types of work. So it probably started there as as a kid, right around 15 or 16. How I actually got into it, though, didn't happen until I was actually a police officer, uh, just starting the job as a cop and uh, having the opportunity to work with police canines on the street, but more importantly, seeing a really cool story on Unsolved Mysteries about a bloodhound, a famous bloodhound that had done some really great work. So have your dogs always been bloodhounds that you've worked with? Oh, no. Uh, that, was the, the, that was my first police dog I had. Uh, that was Ronan. He was the one that uh, I wrote about in my book. Um, however, I work and train with every type of dog imaginable and every police dog that's pretty much out on the street today, every breed that they use. We love our bloodhounds, and that's something that you know is probably my specialty. However, I probably work more with your standard German Shepherds and Malinois when it comes to police stuff. Okay, okay, wow. I know I'm always amazed when I see the police dogs. I just love them, and I'm just so blown away by the work that they do. So tell us about your police work with canines. Well, it started pretty much right when I started my career, right around 1994. And, you know, what had happened was I'd I'd, uh, seen a story on Unsolved Mysteries about a bloodhound yogi who had uh, followed the trail of a missing girl for about 14 miles. Unfortunately, she was found dead. But the simple fact that the dog was used for this type of work you know, truly amazed me. And I had never heard about a bloodhound being used for this. And the simple fact that I have a tendency to kind of go against the grain when it comes to doing, doing things. I always do things just slightly differently. I thought, well, you know, if I haven't ever heard of a bloodhound before, why aren't we using them on the street? And to make a long story short, um, I decided to do it. My department really wasn't too interested in the project at first, but once my dog started making some good finds out on the street, actually for other departments in the area, um, they quickly took him on. So is that Ronan that you were working with then, or had you not been matched with him yet? Okay. I wasn't matched with him. I I actually decided I chose the bloodhound. This wasn't something that was issued to me. I actually had to get it approved by my department to do it, as a matter of fact, Ronan was the first bloodhound in the state of California to ever work full-time for a municipal police department. There'd never wow. been one that was officially on the street 24 hours a day before. So uh, did they purchase Ronan, or did you do that? I did initially. Because it was such a new program and so novel, they didn't really want to have anything to do with it. So I was kind of forced to get into it on my own. I had to study up on it, find a dog, and do the training all to my own expense. I reintroduced the dog to the program once he was effective. He was actually working for other people or in other departments in in and around the area uh, doing some pretty good work. And once my department saw that 
he was effective and doing well, uh, they put him out on the street. So initially, I paid for it all. And later, uh, to get him on the street, the way it worked was the department paid me $1 for him to take the liability. You were quite the pioneer then. That's wonderful that you took all that initiative on yourself to take on the responsibility and the cost of doing that. That's awesome. I didn't really look at it like that to begin with. I mean, it was, you know, once I saw what it was and what I wanted to do, I didn't, the money really wasn't the aspect or nor the responsibility. I just, it was something I had to do, you know. So the money never really played into it. That's great. (laughs) Well, you you clearly had a vision, a clear vision of what you wanted to do and what you knew Ronan could do and how it could help people. So that's really, that's wonderful. Yeah. Tell us about your book, Red Dog Rising. It's coming out December 1st, right? Well, it's actually available right now. December 1st is the launch date, but as books go quite often, they're available a little bit beforehand. And it's available through, you know, our publisher, Alpine Publications, of course, but also, you know, standard Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. And of course, signed, signed copies can be purchased through me at GAK9.com. Now, Red Dog Rising is actually nothing more than a chronological history of my work with Ronan, starting as a puppy, going all the way up to the point that our careers ended pretty much simultaneously at the, right, at the same time. And it also goes into quite a bit about me and my childhood and, and the things that shape my attitudes and my mindset, uh, and more importantly, the, the reasons why I wanted to, to work with a, with, with a dog. As a teenager, I grew up kind of homeless on the street, uh, of Berkeley in California and didn't have, you know, much opportunity to do really anything. As a matter of fact, I uh, dropped out of high school at age 16 and was literally just a homeless kid. But I think really what it was that what saved my life and, and what made my future was that first dog I had when, when I was a teenager. Um, she was kind of my anchor. So Red Dog Rising starts there and then goes into my acquisition of Ronan, why I decided on a bloodhound, all the training that I put into him, and quite a few of the really, really different cases that we worked throughout our career. Not every one, of course, because there's just too many of those, but a lot of them. We, we worked probably about 450 cases total uh, throughout our career, and, and I don't remember exactly, but I think there's about 13 good stories that I wrote of some of the better cases. Wow. Well, I know I, the reviews are just amazing for the book. It it just looks like it's so great. I can't wait to get my copy and read it. And I, I saw that some of the reviews really compare it to a detective novel. They say it's really amazing, all the stories, but it's all real, your real experiences. How did you pick the stories that you shared? Probably based on, you know, gut feeling for them. You know, you, of course, you don't remember everything you did. You don't remember the details of everything you did. Most people don't, especially when they do so many. Um, but I had the luxury of keeping copies of everything I wrote, every, you know, every report that ever I wrote for every, every case. So the details I still had in a binder form. So I was able to go back to the cases that I had the best memories, or some weren't really good memories, but the fact that I memorized, I, I knew and I thought about the case, I was able to go directly to that time, pull the case up, the report, and then have the details so I could be as accurate as possible uh, in my story. So now in the stories, the, a lot of times the names have been changed to protect the innocent or the guilty, but the actual conditions and the circumstances are all just right out of, right out of fact. 
right out of my police reports. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's so nice when you can go back and refer to, to notes like that. It really helps when you're trying to remember all those details. That's so cool that you had all that documented and could go back and, and use that for your research and your, your assistance in writing the book. Right. We are going to take a quick commercial break um, and hear from our sponsors, but we're going to come right back after these messages, and we hope you'll come back with us because we have lots more to talk about with Jeff and about his book and his amazing canine partner, Ronan. So please come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. your dog some thought with dog thoughts it's the iphone application that everyone's talking about hey, what do you think of this a man in davis california says he's invented an application for the iphone that claims it can read your dog's mind huh? no it's true i read about it on my cat's twitter page that's why jay leno talked about it cbs reported on it and now you can see what all the buzz is about Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're visiting today with author and dog trainer Jeff Shetler. And Jeff is talking to us about his exciting new book, Red Dog Rising, and his many years of experience in canine police work. So, Jeff, tell us, explain to us how bloodhounds really work. Well, bloodhounds are probably one of the world's most ancient breed of domestic dogs. And from the beginning, uh, in the early days, they were bred for in Belgium, was to look for uh, scent on the ground, in the air, no matter where it might be. Um, And the dogs were specifically bred with that purpose in mind. So consequently, they developed traits and physical characteristics that helped them with that job. Now, in the early days, I mean, going back hundreds, hundreds of years ago, these hounds were not man hunters. These hounds were deer hunters. That's what they did for a living. Um, and it wasn't actually really until uh, medieval England um, when the bloodhounds were started to be used for looking for criminals. And there was what was called a, a king's warrant, where the bloodhound had the ability to go anywhere in anybody's home at any time, as long as he was on the odor of the person that he was looking for. And the, the way the dogs actually use this odor is with their noses, of course. The scent that they're looking for is, is the human odor. Uh, is based on microscopic particles that drop off the body at a rate of hundreds to thousands of particles per second to minute, completely dependent upon uh, the emotional response of the person. For example, if you're angry and are really sad or really uh, excited, uh, your odor is going to be stronger. There's more odor. Uh, if you're, in the case of, let's say, an Alzheimer's patient who does not have much memory or cognitive abilities, that the dog may have less odor to work with. And what we do with the bloodhounds is we take a scent article, in other words, something that the person touched or held or wore, we present it to the dog to match the scent of the trail that they're looking for. And we hope that they follow that trail to its fruition, finding the person we're looking for, criminal, missing person, anybody. Wow, that is so cool. That's Mm -hmm. really amazing. I I always wondered about, you know, the bloodhounds and how they worked like that. Yeah, it's really amazing. It's, uh, you know, all dogs can do this. They really can. Every dog has the ability. It doesn't matter what breed. However, if you have a properly trained bloodhound with the right, what we call prey drive, the want to hunt, then there's really nothing that can beat them. Yeah. And so you now have a new training institute in Georgia, correct? I do. I do. It's called uh, Georgia Canine National Training Center. And the website address is www.g. A is in Adam, the letter K is in King, and then the number 9.com, G-A-K-9.com. That's where, you know, I've actually carried on my, my police training business. It's actually what we do. We, we work with police dogs from all over the country, from California to uh, New York. And actually, we have foreign clients, too, people that come in from, from elsewhere. Yeah, that's great. Well, tell us about some of the cases that you and Ronan work together, some of the ones that you're most proud of. Well, probably the one I'm most proud of is going to be his first find that he ever he ever made when he was still less than a year old and had just been neutered. We got called out to a case of a missing person at risk or perhaps a homicide victim. <coughs> um, a uh, woman's car was found in a cornfield abandoned and it had been there for several days. Uh, and the situation, the condition of the car made it look like it was an abduction homicide. We were brought to the scene, I think, four days after the fact or after when they thought she went missing. And Ronan picked up odor, picked her trail up, 
to make a relatively long story short, found her hiding in some cattails about a half a mile away. Uh, she hadn't been murdered. She hadn't even been abducted. But because of her culture, the family never reported that she had some mental issues and was actually just afraid to be with her own people. And she was hiding from us. She was hiding from everybody. So that was my first find with Ronan. And the simple fact that, it, you know, a year's worth of training and hard work and, and effort finally paid off was, um, was just amazing. That must have uh, been so exciting even, yeah. for both of you. Wow. And how do you reward Ronan when he finds the scent? Uh, Scooby snacks. When he finds people or he finds the scent. Well, is there a difference? Tell us. Well, if he's finding scent, it's just scent. He's looking for odor. And that could be miles and miles of odor. Uh, when he finds the person, that's when he gets rewarded. And his reward was a Scooby snack. It was nothing more than a puppy cookie that he absolutely loved. It was the only time he got him was when he was working. And how many does he get when he would find the person? Would he just get one or would he get a handful? Well, in training, he'd get one. But, you know, when he found a real person, I would give him a whole pocket full. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure it was a very proud moment for both of you and very exciting. Oh, yeah. There were times he didn't get the Scooby snack. I had some criminal cases that we either got shot at or attacked or something happened. Now, there was no time to give him cookies. We just had to take our lumps or get out of Dodge. And I'm sure he was really happy when cookies were given. <laughs> That's why I called him Scooby Snacks, because it reminded me of Scooby-Doo. You know, he'd do anything for him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, that's that's wonderful. I always wonder, you know, with, with canines, with police dogs, if they're getting toys or if they're getting food, what is that reward for them? And I guess it's different for each dog of what drives them. It is, it is. And, you know, it's going to be kind of even based on your own experience and knowledge in that area. Every dog, just like people, has, you know, triggers that will make them respond. Um, and... Those triggers could be, with dogs, um, normally are prey or food-based items. And my opinion, my, my philosophy on this is that actually all, go, all the prey drive goes back to the core reason for that prey drive, which is food. That's why they work. That's what they're looking for. Uh, if you look at wolves and coyotes and how they do their thing in, in, the, in the woods, you see exactly what they're doing. If, it foods, if it's not food-related, you're not going to get much out of them. Yeah. Now, Things have modernized quite a bit with Canis familiaris and our domesticated dog. And with breeding and, uh, you know, specialized breeding and conditioning, now we have dogs that maybe it's not the food thing that they want. They want a ball. Or they just want praise. They want you to pet them and say they're a good dog. Uh, So the key to finding a good dog and the key actually to successful training is finding that trigger, finding that reward. And in the case of Ronan, it was Scooby Snacks. (laughs) Well, so you did mention, you told us that you are retired now and that that you and Ronan are not working together anymore. So could you tell us about how both of your careers ended? Well, it was interesting because our careers started simultaneously, the the exact same time, pretty much. And then right around the time, he was starting to get kind of older and a little less sure-footed. And of course, working with him every day, I didn't want to recognize that and, you know, even though he had a little hard time getting jumping into the back of the truck, you know, you want him to be that spry little pistol of a pup that you always had. But right around the time he was starting to, to slow down a little bit, um, I was trying out for our SWAT team. And I was on a SWAT obstacle course, which was, was rather arduous. And right towards the end of it, I had to negotiate an eight-foot wall uh, and, and jump, trying to jump up over it. I had a 100% patellar tendon rupture and 
to make a long story short, again, three surgeries and three years later, um, I lost my job. And after I lost my job, you know, once I, I actually did retire, shortly thereafter, Ronan was diagnosed with cancer and uh, died very, very quickly. He didn't stick around long. It was almost as if he couldn't work. His job was done and his time was done. I, I'd never experienced anything quite like it. You know, now, interestingly enough, another parallel, I was just diagnosed with cancer, you know, several, just a couple months ago, and I'm in the middle of, you know, my chemotherapy and surgeries and everything else. So, kind of amazing. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I know my first service dog, Ramona, passed away really quickly. I mean, within a day. And she had a tumor on her heart, and I was blown away by that and how that impacted me by losing her so quickly. So I can right. only imagine what it was like for you losing Ronan to cancer. Yeah, it was, it was not fun. It was probably one of the most worst experiences. You know, when you have a relationship with a dog, and it doesn't matter if he's a, you know, just a pet, but when you form a deep bond with an animal, that you know, the loss can be devastating. And truly devastating and when you couple that with a, a dog that you worked with you lived with and you know went everywhere with literally 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year um, it, it now becomes something even more so you know in many ways when I lost my job as a cop I lost a lot of my identity and when losing Ronan even more so um, it was just like everything fell apart for me so writing this book the, the actual reason to write the book was not to actually publish this. Um, it was at the advice of a friend to start writing down some of the stories that we had done um, just so I could pass them on for my family to read. And there was no intention to ever actually publish it. That came later once it was done. I, I didn't think it was such a great book. You know, I was afraid for anybody to read it, let alone my family. But I had some good inspiration from some friends that said that um, they thought other people might like it too. So, that's awesome. Well, that's exactly what happened to me because when I lost mm -hmm. Ramona so abruptly, I was so devastated that I journaled some things about how I was feeling, similar to how you had your reports to go back to. Mm -hmm. And I started writing the book out of my love for her and wanting to honor her. But I was like you. I didn't think of it as a book. But after I you know, got some things down and then Alpine showed an interest, they asked me to expand it you know, to other things. And so my story is very similar to yours. I was so devastated of losing her. For me, as a person with a disability, it was almost like becoming disabled all over again because I had had this dog that had given me independence and opened all these doors for me. And then all of a sudden she was gone so abruptly, it was really hard to cope with that. Yeah, I, I understand completely. I mean, I'm right, right there with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, I mean, thank goodness for these amazing animals and what they did for us and so many other people. And now what you've done through your book, you know, of sharing that and really keeping that, that memory of Ronan alive and also educating other people about the importance of working dogs and, and what they can do to help humans. It's just, it blows me away at every story that I hear of how incredible they are and all the different different things that they can do to really help. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, our hats have to go off to, you know, every canine handler or, you know, sort of canine out there. I mean, these people, I mean, you don't hear 90% of the stories, you know, people, 
like you, for example, you know, and the things that you did, I mean, we have the luxury of being able to read and know about those, but there's a lot of unsung heroes out there. Oh, I know it. And that's one thing we love about working like dogs on Pet Life Radio, because we get to bring those stories out and, and invite amazing people like yourself to come on and visit with us and tell us about the work you're doing. Because you're right, there are so many different types of working dogs and other animals that people are not aware of. So I just, I just love it and love to hear about it. And and just can't thank you enough for coming on today and talking with us. And you're going to have to come back and visit with us again because our time has gone way too quickly today. That's um, okay. I, I'm, I'm just so super glad I got to meet you too. I mean, it's I just can't wait to meet you in person next time. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. We'll have thank to get together so sometime much. and go over some Absolutely. of these things. Absolutely. And the book is Red Dog Rising, and we're going to have lots of information about Jeff and Ronan, some great photos. I love that photo of Ronan. He is the cutest thing. That face is just so adorable. And all of that will be on our website at PetLifeRadio.com, as well as information about the Georgia Canine National Training Center and their website, and Alpine Publications, their website, which is www.alpine.com. Alpine Pub, P U B, as in boy.com. Our heroes. So, exactly. Hey, and one other thing, one other thing too, just if you could, if you could just let our listeners know that a big influence, a big part of my work career now is assistance canines for kids with disabilities, with autism in particular. And we are training and placing dogs with kids. There's far more kids than we have dogs. And that the proceeds from Red Dog Rising, the profits go towards placing these dogs with these children. So oh, that's I think awesome. that's probably one. Of my, if we if we can put one thing out, that's probably the most important. That's awesome. Well, and you'll have to come back and talk with us about the dogs that are working with kids with autism. That would be awesome. Love to, love to. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. We're so glad you could be with us. And for our sponsors and our producers for making Working Like Dogs possible. So for me and Whistle, thank you so much. And we hope you'll come back and join us next time. Take care. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.